2: to the Rock and Roll Union Podcast. My name is C.T. McManus, and for the next two hours, it is my job to take your mind off the craziness of the world out there and get it refocused in on some good old-fashioned rock and roll. Happy Memorial Day weekend, folks. Here we are. You know, it's a uh, pretty miserable weather forecast for the weekend, but I'll tell you what, if it was any more fitting, I know a lot of people think about this weekend as the kickoff to the summer. However, this is the weekend where we... Remember those that have fallen fighting for this country. And politics aside, man, they, a life is a life. And any life that is fallen is something that uh, it, it's just a damn shame. So, welcome to the show, guys. We have a lot of good stuff planned for you this evening. We will be discussing rock and roll with one of the members of the band, the Turtles, man. Uh, you want to talk about legends? This guy has been. He's recorded with Ringo Starr, jammed with Jimi Hendrix. This guy has been around Rock Elite. Very excited to bring him into the fold. And then later on in the evening, we'll also be talking to a fan from Kentucky, Native Sons. Guys, really excited to talk to them as well. Quick shout out to our our sponsor, Rosenfeld Dental Associates, located at 1095 Inman Avenue in Edison, New Jersey, five minutes from Metro Park. You can find them at www.njsmile.com. That come rock your smile with the rock doc David Rosenfeld and Nominated one of New Jersey's top dentists for 2020 Discounts apply for rock and roll union members Tell them that CT sent you Another person I want to give a shout out to Is one of our partners Man, I was rocking out with him last Sunday At Cancun Cantina At one of those beautiful BLE Sleazy, slimy Sunday showcases Put on by the man himself, Brad Lee Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Brett Hunt from Phoenix Custom Printing, one of our – actually, no, guys, scratch that. Brett Hunt from Brett Hunt Customs, guys. Uh, Getting a little mixed up here. Brett Hunt Customs, he is the exclusive uh, merch guy, customs merch guy for the Rock and Roll Union. He's printed out our picks. He also does laminates, event posters, Custom drumsticks. This guy does it all, man. You want to reach out to him? His phone number is 410 508 1233. Once again, that number is 410 508 1233. You can find him on Facebook under Brett Hunk Customs. Guys, if you're trying to take your merch game up to the next level, he's the guy that you want to talk to. Finally, our last partner, Phoenix Custom Printing. Also, uh, he is Ken Shepherd Photography, Rock Photography as well the exclusive printers of the rock and roll union. If you're looking to uh, step up your merch as far as t-shirts and printing is concerned, or you want some pretty kick ass band picks, man, he is the guy to talk to, you know, we're uh, gearing everything up towards the release of our quarterly magazine starting in the fall. Kenny is one of our photographers, really good guy. You want to reach out to him at Phoenix custom Inc at gmail.com. You can also reach him on, by phone at four one zero two zero six two zero eight one once again that number is four one zero two zero six two zero eight one and uh guys i'm telling you he is the real deal big shout out and thank you to our sponsor and our partners guys it was a great weekend great show man uh this whole month has just gone by so quick we've been involved in so many different things. And uh, this was the month that saw our uh, Jersey Short jam. That was such a great event. Uh, also, you know, like I said, it is it is uh, Memorial Day weekend, so we're gonna go ahead with our featured song, uh, something we're a little different that we're doing on the show starting this evening. We are going to be featuring a song every week. Usually it's going to be a new release, but this evening in honor of Memorial day, it was only fitting that we are featuring broken past songs. Some gave all this came out two years ago. It's their, their shout out to our men and women in the military and talking about all those that have fallen. Now's a good time to remember those people guys. If you've lost loved ones in your family, to military service guys our hearts and thoughts are with you but here is broken pass with some gave all <laughs>
3: this
1: is a Total Package, Lex Luger, you're listening to the VOC Nation, don't miss out.
0: Check out In The Room, every Tuesday night at 9, listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks,
2: former WCW star, Stroh Maestro, Kazzy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you know, are Ray there too, right Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests, like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Was
0: I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then pregnant. <laughs> I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous.
2: We were getting into like snuff film territory there.
1: In the room nine
2: PM Eastern on VOC Nation.
4: Rocky war
5: everybody
1: loves granny wow yeah see a lot of people don't know that yes yeah, you guys
5: are busting
1: me up catch wrestling with history with Ken Resnick and I live on voc nation.com or listen to the podcast by searching voc nation radio network on your favorite podcast app
0: each and every Thursday night check it out WCw star stro maestro takes you on a journey it's WCW Retro, talking old school match of the week, talking dream matches, taking your calls, and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out, vocnation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the Voc Nation
1: Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stag the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, nah, here you get ready to nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to the Rock and Roll Union Podcast, guys, the only rock and roll show on the VOC Nation. It is my extreme pleasure To introduce our next guest, man, Uh, Andy Kahn has been involved in so much, man. Uh, One of the, down with the early days of rock and roll, he has seen and been through it all. He's got a new book out right now called The Most Famous Musician You've Never Met, and it is my pleasure to introduce him to the Rock and Roll Union family. Andy, you with us?
0: I certainly am, and I love your show. I've been listening to it. It's wonderful.
2: Thank you so much, man. And, you know, it, my parents, uh, I, I was blessed. My parents brought me up on old-school rock and roll. I uh, saw Chuck Berry when I was 12. Uh, saw, yeah, just was around the uh, atmosphere of rock and roll from a very young age. But I wanted to uh, – switch it over to you. I mean, you've seen and been through so much in the rock and roll industry. Uh, really looking forward to hearing the stories you have to tell us tonight and wanted to say thank you for uh, taking time out of your holiday weekend to spend with us.
0: Oh, this is a pleasure. It's, I, I always enjoy doing uh, interviews and talking about uh, my book, which is literally uh a history book because of all the different people that I've encountered in my career. Uh, (laughs) it's amazing. It really is. So
2: let's go back to the very beginning, uh, back to uh, Rochelle, New York, where you, uh, grew up. And you stated that from a very young age that you were put on this earth to play music. Was there a definitive moment that brought you to that realization? Did you come up from a musical family?
0: Well, you know, uh my dad uh was a golfer, a pro golfer, but he enjoyed playing the piano as a hobby. So when I was 10 years old, he sat me down at the piano and he says, "Just do what I do." So with his right hand he played a uh, a triad, a D minor, three notes, and he started to, you know, uh play a rhythm, bum, 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 bum. And then with his left hand, he played a melody. Bum, 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 the famous Snake Charmers song. So I just copied him, and I played the melody with my left hand and the chord with my right hand, and I did it the first time. So he says, okay, now we're going to switch and we're going to play the melody with your right hand and play the chord with your left hand. And I did it first time, and that was my one and only piano lesson. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> my my teachers, the people who taught me how to play music, were the Beatles. I mean, uh, forget about it. You know, I, I, I did love Del Shannon. Runaway, that was the first oh, yeah. organ solo I ever taught myself how to play, was the Runaway organ solo. But when the Beatles came out, I completely, totally, like everybody, every other musician on the planet Earth, I freaked out. And, uh, you know, I wanted to get a Beetle haircut immediately, so I went to the pharmacy and I bought Permistrate, because I had curly hair, and <laughs> I put the permastrate on and it worked really, really well for about an hour, and then I turned into a big frizz ball. But <laughs> in any event, all my songwriting and uh, piano playing and guitar playing and drumming, I learned from listening to the Beatles. I learned how to play the drums from listening to Ringo, you know, and his solid backbeat and uh, wonderful licks, and then the – all the piano playing from McCartney and Lennon you know the the incredible chord progressions where they go to minor fifths and flatted fifths and their harmonies are sixth and ninth and oh, yeah. it's just it blew it blew my mind it completely blew my mind and that's the reason I'm a musician is uh, the fab four
2: Now, you began to pick up some momentum where you were in New York, but uh, you moved to California. What spurred that move on, and uh, how big of a difference was it from being in New York to
0: being in California? Well, I was uh, very successful with my rocking teenage combo. We were all 15 and 16 years old, and I had a a Farfisa combo compact, and uh, the left hand was bass. So I played the left-hand bass and the organ, and I, I piped it through a Hammond Leslie speaker, model 122. And so uh, uh, we had a three-piece band, four-piece: the lead singer and the guitar and drums and me on the organ. And we won all of the Battle of the Bands in Westchester County, New York, from 1960. Three to 1967, we were wow. the top band in in Westchester. Anyways, so uh, my lead singer uh, Reno, uh, he stole my movie camera. I I used to make monster movies uh, before I, I became a Beatle, and uh, see, he he was a thief by trade. He would steal cars and steal this and steal that. <laughs> so one day I'm upstairs with the girl and he walks into my living room, and he steals my movie camera. So I got pissed off, and I didn't want to be in the band anymore because my lead singer just stole my movie camera. So I decided revenge, and so I stole his girlfriend. Her name was Sherry, <laughs> and we drove from New York to California in my VW bus. And – uh Uh, Her job was to pay at every gas station, you know, reach in the glove (laughs) compartment and pull out the money and pay. But she forgot when we were in Oklahoma. So we ended up being arrested by these Oklahoma Highway Patrol guys. And, of course, I was a 1968 hippie. My hair was down in my ass. I had a long beard. And uh, along the way, we picked up some hippie hitchhikers. So we had a a VW bus reeking of marijuana with all these hippie hitchhikers. And we get pulled over by the uh, Oklahoma highway patrol and we all get arrested. And uh, he, he put me up against the wall in the office, the deputy, and then the sheriff opened up a cabinet with a shotgun and threw the shotgun across the room to the deputy who was standing next to me. He says, you see that, boy? And he points to a Polaroid picture on the wall of all these hippies that were arrested before and after. So the before was with their long hair and beard, and the after was everything was all cut off. Oh, man. So the, the sheriff handed me a a frying pan to use as a mirror and a child's uh, pair of scissors with a rounded point. So you couldn't cut yourself. And he says, you cut off all your hair boy, then I'll let you talk to the judge. So I, there I was in the cell with the wow. smelly guy and I cut <laughs> off all my hair. And then uh, I got to talk to the judge on the phone And the judge says, how much money you got on you, boy? And I said, 75 bucks. He says, pay the man. And he hung up, and uh, I was out of jail. But then I had a Western Union, my mom, to get money to get my VW bus out of impound. So that was my glorious trip to uh, Los Angeles.
1: Oh, man. But
0: but I tell you, it paid off because two weeks later, I was in the recording studio with Jimi Hendrix. And the way that happened is my mom's best friend owned a record company called Pulsar Records, which was a subsidiary of Mercury Records. So I got a job as a gopher, you know, just doing the mail and Xerox and uh, driving uh, the musicians to recording sessions. And one of the artists on that label was Dr. John the Night Tripper, Mac Rabinek, and another Mm -hmm. artist on that label was Graham Bond from England. He brought the Mellotron to the United States, and he had a band called the Graham Bond Organization with Ginger Baker and Jack Bruce before they joined Cream. And he also had a trio called The Unholy Three with Mama Cass and Tim Rose. Anyway, so he calls me up. He says, Andy, pack up your harpsichord, which I had at that time going through a Leslie speaker. Pack up your harpsichord and pick us up, and we got a recording session to go to. So I'm setting up my harpsichord, and on the drums was Mitch Mitchell, and Graham Bond was on the Hammond B-3, and Lowell George, famous Lowell George from Little Feet, he was on the flute. Oh, yeah. And Jack Cassidy from the Jefferson Airplane was on the bass. So I'm looking at all these guys, and I'm going, holy shit, this is awesome. Then I feel a, a vibration behind me, and I turn around, and in walks Jimi Hendrix, with two blonde chicks, one carrying his amplifier and the other carrying his guitar. And he sets <laughs> up right next to me. And, you know, we're doing the blues in A, and I'm with the, the harpsichord with the Leslie speaker, and, I, and I, you know, I'm bending notes and, and doing shit, and he's, his veins were popping out of his neck, and he was amazing. We'd had a jam for two hours. And uh, it was like the most incredible thing that ever happened to me. But wow. I tell you, the most the most exciting part of the whole recording session was at the end of the recording session. Everybody packed up their shit, and I'm standing in the corner of the room with Hendrix, and he lights up a joint. So we start sharing the joint and talking, and a a, a bass player uh, roadie guy comes over and, and we're we're all three of us are sharing the joint. All of a sudden Hendrix starts singing a guitar solo. He goes, Woo-doo-doo! and then I take a hit off the joint and I start playing the drums with my mouth. I go <laughs> and then the bass player guy he takes a hit off the joint and he starts singing The bass part, you know, you know. So here we are doing a power trio in the corner of the studio smoking a joint. I tell you, that was (laughs) golden. If I only had a cell phone then. Wow. Now,
2: as far as going into uh, California, being, I mean, being a Beatle fan and how quickly uh, some of the music changed in the 60s, I mean, as far as Jimi Hendrix was a little different from that. And then you had the doors coming out about the same time. Uh, how quickly, or did your music change from being around that atmosphere?
0: Oh, well, uh, I was a um, Beatle, you know, in my own right, even though, you know, I, all my songwriting uh, was all Beatlesque, and And uh, the chord progressions, you know, I'd, I'd go from a B minor to a F to a E flat minor to a G flat to a B flat all these strange chord progressions. So uh you know the whole British Invasion and the Animals and the Kinks and the Zombies and the Beau Brummel's and uh Dave Clark 5 and uh you know uh tons of wonderful music uh, by the Kinks mm-hmm. and uh uh, you know, uh, just a, the whole British invasion influenced me amazing. You know, if that was my music uh, building block.
2: And where from there did you end up uh, joining up with the Turtles? Like how how much re- uh, after the Jimi Hendrix experience did you hook up with the Turtles? And like how did
0: that whole thing come about? Uh, since the Jimi Hendrix experience – I uh, I jammed with Buddy Miles on the stage. Wow. I was playing drums with him. His drummer was sick and couldn't make it. And then uh, I uh, did a concert tour with Dr. John the Night Tripper, who was in that same record company, and we uh, toured Toronto and New York, and uh, that was amazing. Uh, and I, I wrote a song called Opium Rose with Dr. John. Uh, that is on YouTube. Uh, And uh, then I joined Seals and Croft, uh, Jimmy Seals and Dash Croft. Wow. Before they were Seals and Croft, we were called the Mushrooms, and we were a top 40 band on uh, Century Boulevard uh, near LAX, and we played top 40. And at the break, uh, Jimmy and Dash would uh, get on the stage and play a duo with the guitar and the mandolin. But when we played our top 40, Jimmy was on the saxophone and Dash was on the drums. They were the original musicians on the song Tequila with Glenn Campbell playing the guitar. But in any event, so after Seals and Crofts, I got introduced to Jimmy Carl Black from the Mothers of Invention, and we started okay. a band called Geronimo Black with uh, Bunk Gardner and uh, Jimmy and, uh, you know, all the Mothers of Invention people and uh, put out an album. And uh, ironically, uh, I was recording uh, at a Cherokee Studios in uh, Box Canyon. It was a four-track studio, the same – studio that Ricky Don't Lose That Number was recorded in, four-track. Anyhow, so uh, Mark Volman and Howard Kalin Flo and Eddie, they were at the studio uh, doing a soundtrack to a cartoon called Cheap. Uh, and uh, their engineer, Bruce Robb, was uh, the piano player on their recording. Uh, and then they had to go on the road, and they uh, asked me are you available to tour with us? Because uh, the engineer Bruce Robb was unable to go on the road. So in 1973, September, I joined uh, the turtles and uh, I played with them uh, all the way through 2012. So that's like 46 years or whatever it is. Wow. Long time, man.
2: And yep. when you were with them, were you kind of doing your own, your like other things as well?
0: Absolutely, I was recording uh, uh, original material with uh, uh, a vocalist uh, who really was amazing. His name was Bill Oz, like the Wizard of Oz, and he uh, was an incredible singer. I mean, I had a choice of Steve Perry and Bill Oz to record my demos. And wow. strangely enough, I picked Bill Oz. But later on, I was invited to be in a band with Steve Perry by a drummer named Craig Cramp. They were starting a band. But I was more involved with my own material with Bill Oz. But, uh, you know, anyways. Uh, so we recorded these demos, and uh, 20th Century Fox Records loved it. And they gave me $6,000 to do a showcase. and the lead singer Bill Oz took the master recording uh, to New York and played it for a record company in in New York and saying, Hey, it's me singing. That's me. And they gave him a record deal based on my production that I was (laughs) trying to get a record deal with 20th Century Fox. So that's, that's what life is like sometimes. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things
2: have changed so drastically from like when you first came into the musical industry, the music industry until now, uh, has there, as far as you see it, what has changed so drastically? Uh, and are you still playing or are you still out there involved in different things musically?
0: Yes. Uh, I'm always, uh, involved, uh, you know, with different, uh, performances with bands and, solo piano work, uh, and I do a lot of recording and writing. But uh, the music industry has changed for the worst, and I'll explain why. In the good old days, when a songwriter would write a song, they would go to the A&R guy's office, and they would sing the song on the guitar or the piano, and the A&R guy would have to envision what the final production would sound like. And that's the good old days. And besides Mm -hmm. the fact, you had vinyl records, you had CDs, Mm -hmm. you had cassettes, which are tangible pieces of something that you could hold in your hand, right? Right. You hold an album in your hand, you hold a CD. It's a real piece of something that you can literally hold. And when I had my own record company and I sold – 10,000 records, it was literally 10,000 records, right? Right. But now, it's completely download. It's completely internet. There's no chance in hell you're going to get a honest of royalties because it's all digital. And some kid with a bow tie is sitting at a desk and he's tabulating royalties. Uh, it's not real. It's I I can't trust that. And I don't understand how people get paid and I don't understand how it works. I'm out of the loop. I'm stuck back in 1967. And when you had vinyl records and products and it was a whole different world back then, everything is on your cell phone now. I mean, I don't think anybody today, including bums on the street with cardboard boxes, I don't think anybody today is without a cell phone. And it it's ruling our lives. It's completely Big Brother. Everything is on yes. the cell phone.
3: So now, that's the music- difference
0: between the music of the Beatles in the 60s and today's uh, ridiculous, uh, you know. Uh, most musicians I know out in the desert, uh, they play with computers. And pre-recorded tracks. And to me, I always hated that. You know, I want to see a live band with real musicians. That's right. You know, that's the way I feel about music today. Now, has
2: there been any artists that you feel have a little bit of that touch to the past or that you've noticed that you've heard maybe sparked a little bit in you that, you You found something in it that you liked,
0: well, you know, uh I was watching a YouTube video of Joe Walsh, and Joe Walsh was basically saying the same thing I just said right. that the the whole musicianship has gone down the drain. There's no more you know Paul McCartney is keeping it alive, thank God, right you know, and uh. But I just don't like the uh, pre-recorded lip sync, uh, you know, uh, pitch pitch tune, everything uh, electronic. I like real earth. I'm an earthy guy. So that's what I really love is uh, an acoustic guitar, an upright bass, a piano, a drum, you know, uh, real sound and real musicians. That's what I really strive for
2: man and like how let's go back to a little bit of that uh the the record label that you had how long did you hold that label for
0: uh i had that label for about 6 years and it was a um collectors label uh i had a die cut picture disc so uh the leaves were a group back in 1967 they had a hit record called hey joe that also Jimi hendrix covered and many right. others but the leaves were the california band that had a hit with hey joe so what i did is i i was friends with jim pons the uh bass player and singer with the leaves who was also the bass player and singer with the turtles on happy together Gotcha. And later, of course, played with Frank Zappa on that famous uh, uh nineteen seventy one Fillmore album. Anyway, so uh um you're gonna have to forgive me. I had a senior moment. What was I just talking about? <laughs> we're um we were talking about
2: the label and
0: uh Oh okay, yeah, have... Panda Records. So I put out a die cut picture disc of the leaves doing Hey Joe. It was shaped like a leaf and it was green vinyl and the black and white photograph uh, shaped like a leaf was inserted in the record. And then I also put out a Panda picture disc. Uh, I wrote a song called the Mooch and uh, the character in the cartoon for that song is a Panda with a football shirt with number 88 on it. Anyway, So uh, the Panda Picture Disc also came out. And then I also put together a project for Rhino Records called The Grandmothers. Uh, Since I met Jimmy Carl Black, I met everybody who ever played with Frank Zappa. You know, Roy Estrada, uh, Ruth Underwood, Ian Underwood, uh, Artie Tripp, uh, Bunk Gardner, Buzz Gardner, uh, Elliot Ingber, uh, Don Preston, uh, you know, all these musicians that played with Zappa. And I put together an album called The Grandmothers, which is recordings of each of these individual musicians without Frank Zappa, their own material. And it right. sold like hotcakes. It 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 sold out. And then I took the earnings and I turned, started my own record company and my first Record was a white vinyl square record called the Official Grandmother's Fan Club Album. Talk Album. That was the title. And it came with a a membership card and a sticker and an iron on transfer for your t shirt and a membership uh, booklet where you fill out a questionnaire like in Playboy Magazine. Favorite color, favorite animal, favorite food, and all the and you know, hundreds and hundreds of people joined the grandmother's fan club and bought this uh, vinyl uh, square record for twenty bucks each, That's and awesome. I sold like 10,000 10, of those. So I mean the record company was very successful, and then uh, I just moved on. I just uh, started my own uh, demo doctor business where I would record demos for singers and songwriters. And uh, I ended up working with Harry Nielsen and Ringo Starr and Eric Carmen and Jimmy Webb and uh, all these people came to my living room. And I recorded uh, originally on a four-track cassette. That was my master recording machine. And then eventually I moved to ADAT, which was A-tracks, Right. And I used this ni- 1988 synthesizer. It was called the Insonic Performance Sampler. And it you load a floppy disk in and it had eight tracks. And you put, you know, piano, drums, bass, guitar, strings, organ, you know, whatever. And uh, I programmed all this music onto Pro Tools eventually and uh, was very successful for 12 years until anybody can go to the guitar center and buy their own little yeah. recorder and shit and make their own demos. But I had a talent. I knew how to produce and make it simple and, you know, make it sound like a radio-friendly broadcast quality recording instead of a demo. I My goal was to make everything sound finished, like it was right. a record. So, so uh, I, you know, I, I I've been on all sides of the fence. I have my own recording studio. I have my own record label. Uh, You know, uh, I toured the world with uh, Little Richard, the Turtles, and uh, Dr. John. And, you know, I'm 73 years old and been there and done that. That's why I was very lucky to put out my book because I saved every calendar every contract, every letter, every postcard, every photograph, every vinyl, everything. And I scanned it all and made this photo book. Because as a child, I never liked to sit down and read a book. I wanted to look at the pictures. You know, I wanted to look at the pictures. So that's why I built a picture book. So it's like you can go anywhere in the book. You don't have to go from the beginning to the end. You can just flip through it. And all of a sudden you're there with Little Richard or all all of a sudden you're there with Ray Bolger, you know, talking about being in The Wizard of Oz. Or all of a sudden you're with Billy Bob Thornton talking about uh, writing the movie Sling Blade. You know, it's just all this stuff is in the book. Really great uh, stories.
2: How long did you kind of have this thought about putting the book out before you finally said, all right, we're doing it this time? Like, I know it had to be in your mind for a long time before you finally kind of just put it out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was on the road with the Turtles and uh, we were at dinner. And I, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to put out a book. I think this is around 2010 or something like that. And uh, Mark and Howard, you know, Flo and Eddie, the owners of the corporation called the Turtles, they said, we're going to sue you. <laughs> so, you know, I just kind of laughed it off, but they never sued me. Uh, but the the, the the sense of humor that Flo and Eddie have is the best. I mean, uh, hey, Howard, Kalin, Howard Kalin's idol uh, was George Carlin. You know, and if you're familiar with George Carlin. Oh, yeah, humor, I'm a big fan. Well, that's what Howard Kalen is like. That's what his, you know, idol is, his mentor.
2: So, how has the reception been since you put the book now? What was the date of release for this book?
0: It's been out a
2: year. April sixth was the
0: and release date last year. And how has the reception year?
2: been since it's been released? What's that? How 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 has the reception
0: of the book been? Oh, it's been excellent. I've done at least 30 uh, podcasts and radio shows. Uh, I've got uh, over 30 uh, five-star reviews on the book on Amazon. And, uh, you know, with the pandemic and financial heartache, people can't really sometimes afford a $60 coffee table book. And that's why it's, you know, I'm self-publishing on Amazon, and I can print one book, or I can print 99 books, Uh, but I still pay the same fee to Amazon, so in order to pay for the shipping and handling and to to get the book, and then I have to reship it out to people, you know, I autograph them to, you know, they can buy it on Amazon, or I can autograph it, and uh, so uh, a lot of people say, I really, really want your book, but Right now I can't afford it, (laughs) so that happens. Right. But uh, I I have sold, you know, uh, all the books uh, that I needed to sell to uh, pay my editor, who is Jeff Tamarkin, who was the editor of Goldmine Magazine uh, for many years. He was the editor of Howard Kalin's book called uh, Shell Shocked and a Jefferson Airplane book. Uh, so he's a really accomplished editor and he's got a wonderful uh, website called best classic bands. And uh, every day he posts all these amazing stories about, you know, a dozen different uh, historical bands and what happened, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. So it's a, That's awesome. he's really a terrific guy. And a, and uh, I was able to reimburse myself for, uh, his fee so now uh, all my royalties are clear so that's good. a good sign yeah man and i mean you can actually get a little bit
2: <laughs> a little bit ahead for yourself now as far as ordering how do folks go about ordering uh and do you still as as far as getting signed copies or getting a regular copy how do people go about ordering
0: well it's pretty easy uh with your cell phone all you have to do is Google. The Most Famous Musician You've Never Heard Of. If you Google that phrase, my book will pop up immediately. So you can click on the book and go to Amazon and buy it, or you can click on my email and uh, request an autographed copy. Uh, Amazon sells it for 65 and I sell it for $60, autographed. So, oh, wow. I, you know, my profit margin is still small, but uh, you know, that's how much money I got to spend to sell books, you know. Absolutely. So, now, it's a great book. Uh,
2: with the success coming off this book, do you have any plans on maybe doing a second one?
0: Well, uh, not yet. Uh there was uh, thoughts of me including some road stories which a lot of people are asking asking me about my adventures with women on the road. But I, I didn't put that in my book because my editor suggested against it. They, he wanted to just concentrate on mostly all the music events. But there are other events, you know, like with Ray Boger and Billy Bob and, uh, you know, all these other celebrities, Ed Lauder and whatever. But uh, uh, I'm looking forward to performing live so I can sell the book and have you know, actually do autograph uh whatchamacallit. You know, do a a, a book autographing um, yeah thing. And have my band play. And the music that we would play would be the music from the book. So That's we awesome. would do a song by Harry Nielsen called Me, Myself and I that was uh on a, a movie soundtrack uh with George Siegel and Joe Beth Williams and we recorded that on my four track cassette. And uh, you know, uh then uh, the song I recorded with uh Ringo Starr is a Kinky Friedman song called Men's Room LA and uh Ringo plays the part of Jesus Christ and I uh I'm backing him up with a Hammond B three and um uh, I'm singing background Vocals, like harmonies, angelic girl harmonies, but they sped up the tape, so my voice came out high, like I okay. inhaled helium. So that that's my uh, little claim to fame with Ringo on record. But Ringo's been over my house uh, with Harry Nielsen uh, recording children's stories. Uh, wow. But unfortunately, Harry passed away, and we couldn't finish the project man now as far as
2: um you brought up your band how uh how active are you guys together
0: well uh the pandemic makes it hard Absolutely. and uh uh i'm uh, also against uh, nickel and dime uh venues uh yeah. l- nightclubs and bars and restaurants out in the desert where I live, and also at the harbor uh, where I go sailing, uh, the, all the local venues they pay a hundred dollars, hundred twenty-five dollars, you know, maybe a hundred fifty, yeah. and it's horrible money. I mean, you know, to 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 get in your car and lug your equipment to the gig and set up the equipment and do this show, and break down the gear, and drive home for a 100 bucks. Yeah, you I know? agree. With when I was on the road with the Turtles, I never had to do that. All the equipment was on the stage. In fact, I had a, a road manager job with the Turtles. I would do all the advanced uh, airplanes, hotels, backstage food, everything. Uh, so at 73 years old, I ain't leaving my house for less than five hundred bucks. I don't blame you. <laughs> you know, I, I can't I mean, because it's it, it's it's going backwards. I can't play these nickel and dime venues. I it agree. just is, and it's all cover songs, which kills me. I mean, there are certain cover songs I would love to do, but I want want to do my original material. That's my goal. Right, and uh, so that's what. My goal is to do original material from the book and uh have my band. I've got a wonderful band. Uh Michael Davidson is the drummer and Jerry Steel Fox is the guitar player and I play the uh keyboard with left hand bass. And it's just it's a power trio. We sound really great. Now uh got- Talking
2: about, I mean, as far as the venues are concerned, not paying much, and we talked earlier a little bit about uh, just the way the industry has really gotten awful. Do you think there's any way of bringing back? Is there any chance of hope out there for music?
0: Well, you know, Paul McCartney is keeping it alive, and Neil Young is keeping it alive, and, uh, you know, uh, Joe Walsh. There's a lot of old school musicians that are keeping the old school alive, uh, right. you know, but you know, when I'm driving around on the streets, 90% of everybody's listening to boombox hip hop, you know, right. Boom,
5: boom, 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 boom.
0: You know, and I'm going, what, you know, I, I, I don't understand that. I'm, I'm out of the loop when it comes to that stuff. I, I only like melodic, rememberable songs, you know, I can't get no, I mean, you know, hooks, stuff. But the hip-hop and rap, I can't follow. I I can't even understand the words. I'm an old man. (laughs) (laughs) So that's Uh, the dilemma. That's the dilemma. I just do believe there's a lot of hope. Uh, There's a lot of musicians that are playing rock and roll, but it's all cover songs. And I haven't really heard any really good original music coming out except for some of the old guys, but it's, it's difficult to find new groups. Are you aware of any new groups? I mean, I've heard some of the music on your show and it's uh, I the last song I heard was that um, it was sort of like a heavy metal vocal with the, you know, that kind of a, vocal. Oh, yeah, yeah. That
2: was, uh, was, that was the song I played tonight, which was, it was a song that was written, uh, and dedicated to the military, which was the only reason. But, um, I mean, yeah, th- there's some good, I mean, bands that are getting popular. If you want to talk, uh, I want to say more towards the Led Zeppelin style of stuff, uh, more towards right, like, like mid 70s. There's a, a band called Dirty Honey that is r- uh-huh. a really good band. Uh, the Struts coming out of Europe are very good. There, there's a couple out there that are, Picking up that rock and roll style, yeah for me, I'm more I, I rock and roll is my thing I mean, I'm not big into metal, I'm not big into rap or hip hop rock and roll is what I was born and bred on, and mm-hmm. yep I mean, I look for the newer bands that are out there that have that kind of attitude and personality to them um there's a band locally called for me locally called Rat Rod that have uh kind of like the old school A C D C sound.
5: And oh, cool.
2: For me I loved A C D C because uh Angus Young always reminded me of Chuck Berry, just his the way he plays. And uh you can really see the lineage there.
0: So Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I I there is hope out there. <laughs> There's definitely hope. You know, I, I you know speaking of Chuck Berry, I was extremely fortunate when I worked with Little Richard to do the Grammys. And the producer of the Grammys appointed me as music director for the Little Richard Chuck Berry segment of the show where we would give away the uh, album of the year song of the year and uh, Stevie Wonder won uh, You Are the Sunshine of My Life Uh, No, Ain't Too Superstitious, sorry Ain't Too Superstitious So I was the music director and rehearsal was in a tiny little room with an upright piano and Little Richard and Chuck Berry and myself rehearsed the show. And Chuck had his guitar, not plugged in, just, you know, holding it. So we can, he didn't know what keys his songs were in. He just held his hand up to the guitar neck and said, here it is. Oh, <laughs> hey, okay. You know, he, he he was that kind of a guy. He didn't really yeah. know what keys his songs were in. But it was all the same wonderful, wonderful, amazing stuff. And that blew my mind working with these two guys, because the Beatles, John Lennon idolized Chuck Berry, and Paul McCartney idolized Little Richard. And and it was like a full circle. Here I was Mm -hmm. with the two guys that Lennon McCartney idolized working with them on the Grammys. And, you know, to me, that was like the most spectacular thing that can ever happen to a musician, you know? (laughs) It blew me away.
2: Andy, it sounds like we have somebody on the line with us. I believe it's Tom George. Uh, Tom, you with us?
4: Yes, sir. Are you with me?
2: Uh, Yes, I am. How are you? Uh, Andy, Tom kind of came up in the same era that you did and uh, played with a lot of musicians back in the day as well. And uh, I I told him to call in, and he'd be a great person to uh, kind of walk
4: down the memory lane with. Oh, that'd be fun. I I enjoy that very much. Yeah, Andy, you remember old Flo and Eddie, don't you?
0: Well, you know... uh, Flo and Eddie and I met in September of 1973. And ever since then, we've been good friends. As a matter of fact, we were all born in the year 1947. And uh, Mark was uh, April 19th, Howard is June 22nd, and I am December 2nd, all
4: 1947. Very cool. Well, I was born in 1950, so I was a big fan. Uh, as well yeah. as a musician of the of the turtles, man, you guys, uh, I really enjoyed a lot of the a lot of the music you you guys did. So, uh, but I did I did all that also. I I was, I was signed with uh, uh, Decca Records for a period of time, uh, and then with Dick Clark Productions and toured with Paul Verne Raiders, which was one of their groups that they took under their wing back in the day when they when Dick Clark was doing his shows and different things of this sort. Never did run into the Turtles, but but it would have been fun, I can tell you that right now. But I'd always listened to the music, really enjoyed the, the Turtles.
0: Well, it's a small world because my best friend, Craig Kramp, is a drummer with a group called The Robs, and they were okay. the house band for where the action is.
4: Oh, that's it. That's it.
0: <laughs> and uh, you might have even met them uh, because they were always on the show. They were the house band for Dick Clark's where the action is. And Paul Revere and the Robs were the house bands. Anyway, okay. so uh, Craig is the guy who got me the job with little Richard. And, uh, I you know, I worked with Craig uh, with the turtles and little Richard and, uh, He's just an amazing drummer. He did Betty Davis Eyes, and he also did uh, Hot Child in the City. And, he, you know, he's done many, many recordings for a lot of famous people. So uh, oh, it's a small world. So what was the name of your band or your
4: act in those days? The, uh, we were, at the time, we were playing for uh, – uh, signed with Nick uh, Clark. We were uh, – kind of a beach boy group we were called the Surf Knights. And then uh Decca Records took us on and uh Phil Gernhard, who was a producer for uh, the Billim Bill Billamy Bil- Bil- Brothers and also the music explosion and also um the group that did all the Snoopy songs, which is a Royal Guardsman. Uh oh yeah. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> we were uh, and they renamed us the Dream Machine. And the reason, they renamed <laughs> us, the reason they named us the Dream Machine is because uh, we did a song called Houdini, and uh, he had a uh, a trick or a magic thing that was all based around this thing called the Dream Machine, and you sit in it, and it has this light in it, and it does all these things that supposedly takes you back in time. And so <clears throat> that, that's what they did. They named us Dream Machine. In fact, the song, Houdini was just put into an American Music Award uh, historical documentation based on the fact that it was about this guy Houdini that probably will never be forgotten. You know, I have no idea, but, but, uh, but that was what the name of the group was at the time. Uh, actually probably uh, under DECA was called Dream Machine.
0: I, I,
5: I can Google
4: is. it and probably hear it on YouTube right now, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You should be able to, I mean, yeah, it's, It's all there. Um, Yeah,
5: that's what you mentioned.
4: Well, as you, I've gotten older, of course, and I've hooked up, and I bet you know this dude. His name is John Rabbit Bundrick, who was a keyboard player for The Who for, like, 20 years. I mean, and he also played for free. He also played for free, and he also played for Crawler, after uh, after Paul Rogers split from him and went with Bad Company, they changed it. Well, I'm currently doing music in the studio for commercials with uh, Rabbit out of, and of course he lives in England and we just tra- we just send our music back and forth. Of course, you know, technology today is really great so you can do that. And, uh, and so uh, I figured since you're a keyboard player, you'd know John Rabbit Bundrick. Uh, in fact, The Who just did a, thing on tv uh they did a documentary some kind of thing they just did on tv he was on there talking about stuff but he's like 72 years old man he's getting old like the rest of (laughs) us well i'm I'm 73 i'll be
0: 74 december
3: so uh,
0: so yeah i got a couple of years so when i graduated high school you were just coming into high school i'm three years ahead
4: of you you are you are man you were there (laughs) you were you were there when it was started from the very beginning because really in america oh. it started around 64 65 and, and i tell uh, you i, I grew you. up with
0: i grew up with uh the silhouettes get a job and uh blue moon and all these oh, wonderful yeah. uh, songs that we all grew up
4: listening to See, bobby vinton man you remember him oh
0: yeah blue on blue yeah <laughs> Oh, Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. I you know, there's a studio in Los Angeles. I don't know if it's still there. It, it was called The Annex, and it was the same studio that Lawrence Welk and Elvis Presley and Buddy Holly all recorded in the studio. In fact, Gary Busey made a movie about Buddy Holly, and they used the studio as... You know where they recorded, and it was ribbon microphones and tube amplifiers, two track, two track <laughs> studio. With uh, you record you record the basic track in mono, and then you overdub your vocal. But a lot of okay. it was done all at the same time, one take. That's it. You got one take to record yeah. your song live. Yep. And uh the microphone was 3 feet from your mouth because it was a ribbon mic you can't get close to it or it'll distort so it was uh, and the sound was the most clear warm beautiful sound I've ever heard in my life all the digital technology of today cannot come close to that authentic ribbon microphone tube amplifier Analogue tape recording. That's the shit yeah. right
4: there, man. That's the stuff. Well, we yeah. were lucky we started on a four track and we thought uh-huh. we were hot stuff for the four track and then you know it goes <laughs> to the eight track. Of then course. When the they went to the sixteen track and you know, I think that's pretty much where, you know, now of course what they do is but you're right, the uh and the in the vibes not the same anymore, man. You know, well, uh, I try no, to I, I try the, to tell CT that he, these guys all these young guys don't really really they they want to be like the '60s and '70s and '80s. They really do. I mean, they got the enthusiasm and the passion and everything. But the audience the audience isn't there for them the way it was yeah. for us. I mean, the audience exactly. really just got into it. I mean, they didn't care about dancing. They didn't care about drinking beer, listening to you. They were there to listen to the band and to uh, to get to know the musicians. And it was just, to them, it was like, back then, musicians were like, got, like gods. I mean, yeah. it was just really special, you know. Today, it's not like that. I'm not saying that's bad or good. I'm just saying you can't capture what, you know, Andy, what you've been through and and and, I, and and me in a light way because I think you really hit it hard compared to me but I did a lot but the point is they can't capture that it's just out there and it's something that guys like you and I can take home with us uh yeah been there you felt I, it and you, you know
2: I so think you, uh, you know, I to uh if if I could ask uh this will be my last question because we're quickly running out of time but i wanted to ask you guys as far as the music is concerned and tom like you're talking about with the crowds and the way that they respond to the musicians is it something culturally do you think that makes crowds respond the way they do i hear all the time that europe and uh south america and other parts of the world are still in love with rock and roll but you really see a disconnect here in the United States. Is it something
4: culturally, do you guys think? You go, Andy. You, have, you, ask, you answer that one first, Andy.
0: Yeah. Um, as time goes on, the uh, culture of music changes with each generation. As we all know, when when Tom and I grew up, our parents probably didn't like the rock and roll we were listening to. They right. wanted to hear Frank Sinatra and uh, all that other stuff. So each generation has its own music culture. So uh, Tom and I grew up in the best. <laughs> the, the era that we grew up in, the 60s and 70s, that was, to me, uh, the best for automobiles, the best for a motion picture, the best for anything, uh, including music. Today, it's a big mush and uh it's undefined and it's it's plastic. It's not earth. I like earth. What do you think, Tom?
4: I I think you, you're absolutely correct. I, I think and I've tried to do this in a scientific way sometimes to try to be take all the bias out of it and, and take it and just sit back and look at it. but I really do believe somehow or another it's become the the fans today have become distracted with many other things that you know like gaming and computers and you know they have so many things and options to choose from to do that 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 creates their their image of themselves in other words people like to use things and stuff to represent to make it to represent themselves, you know, they back in our day, kids wanted to belong to something, you know, and the bands created that for them and they belonged and they showed up together, they stuck together. They, uh, Woodstock's a good example, you know, where they were all, you know, look, we're, we're, we're these people and listen to us and the bands listened to them and the bands played music about them and this and that and this and that. Today, there's so many bands, it's almost to the point where. I can be sitting in a bar and talking to the bartender and we'll talk about music as oh yeah, I play, I'm a musician. And then the person next to me, oh yeah, I'm a musician too. Everybody's a musician. I'm back in our day, I think, well at least my day, yeah, you, know, you may you could talk to a hundred people and you may find maybe one musician if you're lucky. You know, it was different, it was special, it was fun, it was creative. Uh we experimented, we didn't worry about whether we broke music, we didn't worry about if the crowd was going to like it or not as much as we did do we like it. If if we liked it, we played it, you know? Uh, today and the and label, that's what Go ahead.
0: No, yeah, that's what makes everybody happy when they see that energy and they feel that uh, bonding.
4: It's wonderful. It's great. Right. Correct, correct, and... Yeah. and uh, I mean, it, it just it it just goes. It just it's just part of the thing. So I don't know where the music industry is going right now, but it seems like to me it's full of props and looks and and image. It's almost like Broadway now. It's almost like you know you you, you watch the Grammys and stuff, and it's all about the clothes that yeah these chicks are wearing, and 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 the fireworks yeah. going on. The, you know the lighting. Uh, you know, all this stuff, and you don't really even hardly listen to the music because you can't understand anything they're saying. Most of the stuff they're saying is done through auto-tune, and it's got these weird sounds to it. It's almost like their voice is a computer instead of a voice, and you just go, I guess that's what the kids like. If they like that, that's what they're going to like, but, boy, it sure dates my music, you know?
0: uh, You know, that's what today's generation of music, that's what it's like. Uh, but you and I grew up in a different era, and uh our parents grew up in a different era, so you gotta realize that, but I'll tell you the music of the Beatles will always be number one oh, with yeah. every generation that is born I know children that love the Beatles, you know, right. so the but beatles you know,
5: will continue. Uh,
2: I wanted to throw this out there. It was just funny because I found a – it was a uh, walrus, a stuffed walrus uh, in the store. I got a two-year-old, and it sang Beatles songs. And I'm wondering why it's singing Beatles songs. And here they have a show that's garnered straight to preschool kids based all on Beatles music.
5: I love it. I absolutely I
2: it was the most love it. thing. It's called the the Doodle Bugs, and it's all about like everything they do in the show is based around Beatles music. I
0: love it. I think I saw that on a Paul McCartney interview. Oh yeah, yeah that, uh, that, it, that is.
4: Well, where do you see anybody walk around? I mean, where do you think you'll see any kid today, fifty years from today? Walking around with the Justin Bieber t-shirt on, exactly. You're not gonna see. You're not gonna see nobody, okay? But the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and people like that. There's there's kids that are walking around with those t- Beatles t-shirts on. I've got Beatles shirts on everything else. And it's 50 years later, and there's people still walking around with Beatles sh- shirts or Rolling Stone shirts. That's what music was like at the time we played. And and I tell you, to be honest with you, I got music for girls. That's why I got in it. When I was young, well, I, that, I didn't money well, didn't even you know, matter to me. I cared about girls.
0: <laughs> well, that's exactly the scenario because when I was making monster movies, uh, you know, at 14 and 15 years old, uh my sister said, "Why don't you watch the Ed Sullivan show?" And the Beatles were on, and I saw and heard the, all the screaming girls. And I said yeah, to myself, yeah. you know what? I'm not going to get any screaming girls making monster movies. I want to be a Beatle. Right. And that's exactly what happened to me. I wanted to be a musician so I can get screaming girls. That's exactly. what I my goal was, to get, to you know get on stage. <laughs> and that's Indian, what I wanted I, to I do. Wanted to, uh,
2: I wanted to end on this thought because... I'm very enamored of both of you guys and the, the time in which you came up. And But my biggest point, going back a little bit to the cultural thing, was coming out of the times that we just came out of as far as uh, protests going on around the country and people getting wrapped up all into different political arguments and things like that, I was thinking to myself, now's the time to start – You know the political songs, the the activist songs. This is the time where rock and roll can combine to bring people together, and it just didn't happen. And that was a time
0: period that you guys grew up in. Exactly. Uh, You know, uh, one, two, three. What are we fighting for? You know, all these political songs came out. Uh, Yeah, and John Lennon uh was the perfect example with the song Imagine. Right. Imagine imagine no religion. Absolutely. Religion religion is the major cause of war. Right. Period. Yep. End of sentence. Right.
5: So
4: that's why I yeah, love George one. Carlin. <laughs> oh, George Carlin's great. What a great comedian
5: he yeah. was. But, but anyhow no, I don't, I, the
4: Beatles, I, I don't Go ahead. The Beatles are great, yeah. man. They're unbelievable.
0: Yeah. John Lennon, "War Is Over." You know, "Peace, all we need is love." You know, I mean, uh, that's the whole message yeah. that the Beatles generally gave. Uh they would talk about Helter Skelter or they would talk about other shit, but basically it was all peace and love.
4: You know? Well, that's even what, even your group, even your group, even the group, the uh uh, I, I mean uh, the song that you guys did, "Happy Together." I mean, yeah, you know, it's all you, yeah, being happy. That's what
0: the, a great song the
4: name. that was.
0: <laughs> yeah, ah. that's, the, that's the the name of my sailboat is Happiness Is. <laughs> yeah,
4: uh, well, that's good because it is is if you got it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm. But, I'm uh, just. Uh, I just. Uh, uh, my religion is. The Beatles and my Bible is the song "Imagine." So, if you ever wanted to know what my religion is and my Bible, that's The Beatles and "Imagine." That's that's my religion. And well,
4: guys, CT, I want talk to what, you guys. I've got say, say, hey, hey CT, CT. Go ahead, I'm just going to say I'm just going to say one more thing about I I believe in the day. 60s, 70s, early 80s, when we played music and wrote music, we took risk. We didn't yep. worry so much about what the people in the audience were gonna think or whatever, whatever, whatever. We played what we loved, and if the audience liked it, then boom, there you go. You got Jimi Hendrix, you got uh uh you got the doors, you got all these dudes that were like that. Okay, and it was and it created it created originality. Today, I mean, come on!
2: Could you get the problem, away with a song about a guy shooting his wife anymore? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> hey, Joe, I mean, you 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 couldn't get away with that now.
4: No, you can. You can't. I mean, the the so you're right. The the regulations and the rope is tied so tight around the new musicians, the young musicians come sure. up coming up. They're so worried about if someone's going to like them or not, and they're you know, bless their souls are trying to make money, and then they've got to have people that like them and show up and pay tickets and do these things like that, that they're constrained and their originality is just it's really tightened up to the point where it's hard for them to be really original to see who they are. And uh, you don't have any more the the Jimi Hendrix or Jeff Becks, the Eric right. Clapton's. You know, you don't have you don't have the Carlos Santana's. The, everybody's got – look at Billy Gibbons, ZZ Top. He's got his own tone, his own sound. You know it's him when he plays the first note on the guitar. That's Billy Gibbons, or that's Eric Clapton, or that's Jeff Beck, or, you know, or that's, you know, that's uh, Andy Kayon How is Is that how you say your last name, Andy? Uh, uh, yeah, you can, Kahn uh, is how my
0: dad Con, pronounced. Okay. It.
4: Say Andy Kahn, Andy Kahn, <laughs> you know. So I think that they just don't, I think they just constrained so much today it's very difficult yep. for them to really get out there and be original, you know, and they don't want to take the chance because they don't get a job i mean you look at the you look at the line for tribute bands and it's real long. you look at the line for original groups and it's real short uh sad, but it's just you know that's business you know it's the way it is and I wish that I would rather go into a club and hear original bands and take my ri take my chances than I would going in and listen to a cover band or a band that's going to do tribute stuff. The last thing I want to see is a guy up there dressed like Paul McCartney, trying to sound like Paul McCartney, and play Paul McCartney stuff. I don't need to see that. If I want to see Paul McCartney, I'll come home, turn on YouTube, and watch him with my headphones on and a drink. (laughs) I don't need to be at the club, you know. But, boy, when I go into a club and – anyway, go ahead, go ahead.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I'm right there with you. It's, uh, it's. Yeah. Uh, I want to be entertained like I was back in the '60s. That I mean, I, yeah. if I had my choice, I'd live in 1968 for the rest of my life. I'd be very happy.
4: Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it,
2: was, it was
4: something else, man. It was crazy, 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 man. it I hate was to hear wonderful, guys.
2: I have to wrap up, but uh, Andy, if you could just give our listeners real quick uh, a way once again reminder on how to order the book, how to get in touch with you if anybody wants to speak with you. Uh, do you have? I know you have a Facebook page. Any other ways? Email that kind of thing.
0: Okay. Well, like I said, um, my name is Andy Kahn, C A H A N, and it looks like Kahan or Kahan. That's irrelevant. What the easiest way to find me and find the book is Google the most famous musician you've never heard of. If you Google the most famous musician you've never heard of, the book will pop up and then you'll have an option of buying it from Amazon or you can buy it directly from me autographed. So, uh, Google the most famous musician you've never heard of. And that's the easiest way to find me. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for your time tonight
2: and uh, hanging with us on this Memorial day weekend. And uh, guys, my
0: best to you is have a great rest of your weekend. Hey, listen, Tom, Tom, if you're on Facebook, uh, try to find me on Facebook so we can
4: uh, uh, communicate. Great idea. I'll do that. I'll do it.
0: It's
5: awesome. a real honor
4: to meet you. It was an honor to meet you, Andy.
0: Oh,
5: just I'm, I'm honored
4: know.
0: to meet you too. I can't wait to Google your uh, magician song.
4: <laughs> okay. just All you got to do is Google Dream Machine Houdini, and that'll bring you okay. to somewhere. I There's will some do stuff it on immediately. There. All right, brother. 1966, man. Back in the studio days uh, when we only had four tracks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I was there in a two-track studio in
4: 1965. Man. All right. Well,
0: anyhow, thank you guys so, so much. I really had a ball talking to you.
1: Thank you
2: so much, guys. Once again, enjoy your weekend and uh, have a great one.
4: All all right, guys. Rock and Roll Union
2: rocks. Thank you, brother. All right. Guys, that was uh, Andy Kahn and Tom George. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna take a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're gonna be joined by my boy Will Mass. We're also gonna be joined by the kentucky Bass band Native Sons. Really excited to talk to them, and they have a little bit of an issue that maybe uh, maybe the Rock and Roll Union can help them figure out. So uh, don't go nowhere.
0: This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the Voc Nation. 6 p.m. Eastern, vocnation.com.
3: VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer, the maestro...
6: Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square.
1: The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.
2: Welcome back to the Rock and Roll Union podcast, guys. It was such an extreme pleasure talking to Andy Kahn and uh, Tom George. Really good conversation, really talking about the old school days, man. And I also, once again, want to give a big shout out and a thank you to Tony Rodriguez and the la- uh, the rest of the boys in Broken Past for the featured song of the week, which is Some Gave All. And another big nod out to our men and women in the military and those that have lost their lives Happy Memorial Day, guys. This whole weekend is about you guys. So if you're if you guys are out there bumming about the, the rainy weather and things like that, it, it could be worse, man. Just, just keep that in mind. And uh our next band, man, I saw them last Sunday at Cancun Cantina. I gotta say, guys, the one thing that I absolutely fell in love with uh was the venue. I had heard of I heard Native Sons previous to going. I was excited to see them. They did not disappoint. But Cancun Cantina, man, I got to tell you, what an amazing venue. I'm a beach bum. You guys all know that. So with the with my feet in the sand, I got there. I had a bucket of beer and a plate of nachos, and I was happy man, man. Live rock and roll on top of it. You couldn't get no better. So there's a couple shows coming up. The M3 pre-party will be hitting there on July first. You don't want to meet it uh miss it. And uh guys, in the meantime, we are now joined by Will Mass and the Native Sons. You guys with us? Yeah man. How's it going? Yeah man, how are you? So uh guys wanted to thank all you guys for uh taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh
5: Holiday weekend
2: to talk with us. and,
5: uh, and Nancy will
2: say you've changed my life. Hello, you there? Yeah, uh, I yeah, I'm not sure who just somebody else there.
6: <laughs> I know, I know what happened. I know what happened. <laughs> my wife just pulled up in my truck, and my phone linked up to the Bluetooth on my truck. <laughs> <laughs>
5: <laughs>
6: she's yeah, like all the time here on this show. So uh,
2: believe me, I feel you, but uh. He was probably freaking out, going, "What the hell's going on?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I wanted to talk to you guys, uh, Native Sons. You guys are now. Are you guys? I know you have a show tonight. Are you at yeah. the venue or have you not left yet?
7: Uh, we're at the venue, Simon's After Dark uh, in Allen Park, Michigan.
2: Three one three. Man, and wanted to say, like, you guys rocked it last weekend. Uh, was it your first time in Maryland?
7: Yes, it was. It was our very first time, uh, very first show with this lineup.
2: And I, I got to say, I uh, just wanted to bounce off both Will and you guys. Just uh, I was talking about how amazing the venue was right before you guys called in. I think that venue is absolutely spectacular. And I heard they're just in the process of rebuilding it.
7: Yeah. Uh, you know, Brad Lee's thrown a few things there uh, in the past and, uh, it's always been a, a really cool venue, but you know it's really cool to see it. It uh, seems like it's really come together.
2: I mean, they had a fake yeah. beach for Christ's
5: so sake. Cool. Say
6: that again. I'm sorry.
5: They
2: had a
6: fake beach, like they have like a whole Caribbean island theme going on in there. It was really neat. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, uh, Will and I got together because uh, we. Me and Will run in the same kind of circles of, with each other and doing the same kind of passion for the music. And we both know what happened with uh, your trip to Maryland last weekend. Could you explain to our listeners a little bit about what happened on your way to the show last last weekend? Well, man, we were, we were
7: driving down the road. I think uh, Brett was driving at the time. And I was kind of half asleep in the back you know, cause that drove some of the way and three deer jump over like the middle section of the road into the plane, And we missed two of them, but the last one, we just hit him uh, almost head on. Uh, it totaled the car, you know, it was fixable, but we would never be able to drive it uh, out of state again. Right. Uh, so we ended up like, you know, we got it, we drove it down to a hotel room, you know, the The radiator was smashed. The fans were smashed. All the tubes were smashed, and everything was pushed into the engine. Um, you know, the we we stayed at the hotel room. Uh, Bill Chavis, our record label CEO, actually drove two and a half hours to come get us, and then two and a half hours back to the venue, and we made it on stage on time. Uh, it, oh, was, wow. it was a miracle, but you know, the show must go on. So that's what it's all about.
2: Fraser's so I the one thing that will and I are kind of trying that we want to do for you guys is we want to get your plate out there. And I know you guys are in the process of trying to uh, recoup the finances off of that lost vehicle and how important it is to have that reliable transportation to get around. So you can kick our asses. But uh, now you guys have a, uh, since then you guys have had a uh, kind of a fundraising thing going on. Am I right? Yeah, we, we're uh
7: doing a, a build the band or build the bus uh thing. Uh we're gonna try to do some live streams. Uh, you know, some of the fans have already uh donated some stuff to us. Uh and we've got some special stuff for them in the near future. Uh but we've we were able to recruit some of the you know, to get us home. The fans that uh, Cancun Cantina really helped us out. We were able to, you know, get the car to the shop and, and uh you know get us home so that was that was really nice um but you know everybody we're you know if they want to donate to us they can reach out to us on facebook uh or we have a facebook page native sons uh you know we we're doing like we do cash app and paypal you know we're just trying to you know be able to get a touring vehicle so that we can continue to rock and roll you know right now we had a uh, we had to uh like borrow two cars to make the shows yesterday and today uh you know we we continue our tour in July uh that's when we start really you know getting into the months We have monsters on the mountain coming uh so you know we're really grateful for all the people who've uh you know donated so far uh but if you would like if they if they would like to donate, they can reach out to us on facebook uh so that, that's what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to do a live stream uh, to raise some of the money as well.
2: Now, another reason why I contacted Will to uh, kind of help us with this was, uh, Will, you had a, same, a similar experience last summer, am I right?
6: Yeah. we have, First off, guys, hey, man, how you doing? As Will. I talked to you on Sunday at the show. Um, you guys, that was a spot-on set, man. I, I, I was <laughs> – the minute you started, I was like, wow, hello, who's this? <laughs> and, you know, you guys they got made not just – well, it wasn't just me, man. You guys made a lot of people in the audience stand right up and go, whoa, who's this? So kudos to you for putting on the set you did. The energy was, was spot on. Um, what CT is talking about is last year um, – I do a show here at my house every year, and we had a band that came up from Nashville, a band called Mr. Gray, and they – Drove up in the guitar player's van and got here to the show, played the show, amazed everybody. On their way home, they blew their motor up, just blew it up, like beyond, like just, they was done. They weren't going anywhere. Um, they had to spend all the money that they made here by, you know, getting a rental truck to get their gear on that and get themselves back to Nashville. Um, what we did is, is, as a group, and, and what you guys will slowly understand if you don't already, this region, um, both CT's region up in the the Pennsylvania, Delaware, and Jersey area, and the region I live in in Maryland, the the, the family of support, in, in other words, the music fans, when they hear about these things, they want to help. They want to be part of it, and we simply put out a, a go similar to a GoFundMe last year for them and raised over $2,100 to put a new motor in the van. So, you know, you you being on the radio with this particular group, um, you're surrounded by a lot of good people that want to help, man, and and we know that we can generate, you know, that interest from the fans to be able to donate, and that's kind of what what we're doing here. And, wow, we teamed up on this. I mean, CT's got the Rock and Roll Union, and those people come through all the time. Um, scene and rock metal radio, it's, it's the same kind of people, a lot of the same people, but, it, you know, again, bigger region, more reach when you branch out into other regions and ask for help. And uh, this is what we're trying to do, man. This is all part of what we, you know, as fans, that's part of what the fans will do. You know what I mean? It's, it's support isn't just going out to a show and, and seeing a show and buying mm-hmm. a CD. Support is, is understanding that, that, you know, when a band gets in a, in a, in a, in a jam, you know, we're not musicians. We can't go play. We can't do this. We can't do that. But we can monetarily donate. We can do whatever it needs to be done to keep you guys on the road and that's what we're all about. And that's what we're trying to do here, guys. Well man,
7: you know, the the outreach from you know, the Cancun Cantina, all the fans there was amazing, you know. It I so I I really understand what you're saying when you all y'all have a really good, you know, tight knit family there and it was really cool to, to be accepted in, into that, you know, family unit. Really appreciate well, welcome everybody.
6: To <laughs> welcome to the family. Not the way you wanted to get to it, but Hey, whatever way you get yeah. to it is good. <laughs> so I, I yeah, wanted was-
2: to, you guys, I want to, I want to, uh, describe to our listeners who weren't with us on Sunday, uh, how long you guys have been together a little bit about the band and, uh, let you guys get a little info out that way. That way, people can know who we're helping. This
7: band has went through through trials of all kinds, man. Like we originally recorded the stuff in 2018, uh, you know, we shelved it because um, of health reasons with certain members, and you know, some people just couldn't do it. So we shelved the album. Then in 2019, we brought it all back to the label, and then COVID hit. And the original members were, they couldn't come back to the band after that point. A lot of bands in COVID, you know, they just went away. Um, but each one of them told me uh, to to take the songs and keep going with it. So, you know, I ended up, you know, persevering, getting the CD out, getting to play a few shows. And then, you know, the members that we replaced, you know, they, they said that, you know, whenever we put out the CD, I don't think they... Uh, really understood how much, you know, I guess we were all really surprised that, you know, people were really, really digging the songs and really digging the sound, and they couldn't tour as much. So the the Cancun Cantina was the first show with this lineup, all new members. I'm, wow. I'm the only original member, but, you know, we we were just determined to get this CD out. We were determined to bring the music to the fans and, you know, when we had so much outreach from the community, it was just humbling. You know, it was like, you know, you, you, you suffered all this, this time and you pushed through, you know, and it's like, it was just so amazing to see so many people enjoy the show and, and reach out to us. And like, we had somebody, you know, pay, you know, we were selling a drum head for 20 bucks. He bought it for a hundred.
2: Shout out to Greg. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> Greg from Long Island.
7: Greg from Long Island bought a drum head for $100. He was like, I know y'all are getting home. You know, trying to get home, you just had your van break down. And, and it was just – it was humbling to, to have that experience, you know, and, and to rock faces and get to play with Steel City and Wild America and Asphalt Valentine and Kicking Valentina.
2: Stairway to Halen.
7: Stairway to Halen
2: played a, a little bit extra.
7: You know, to to keep people entertained. So it was, it's a, you know, the the band has went through trials, but at all costs, we will we will always try to bring the show, you know, to the people. And I'll tell you what, you guys
2: did bring the show, man. You guys rocked that, out. and for it being your first performance with the current lineup, man, like you couldn't tell that you guys hadn't played out before. Man, that 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 means
7: a lot to us. You know, we we put a lot of time and effort into making the show happen, and you know, to ha- when we hit the deer, you know, we were afraid that we were gonna have to turn around and go home. But I was like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna call Bill and see it, see what we can do. I was gonna get an Uber to the show if it if that was what it was gonna take, you know, and that would have that would have cost a lot of money. I think it was like three hundred dollars one way, you wow. know to the to the show so bill was like no i'll come get you he rolled up in two cars him and his wife Lori chavis rolled up in two cars we got loaded the drums loaded everything up and we rolled down to to maryland it it, he spent five hours in the car
0: wow and uh,
2: big kudos uh, kudos kudos to bill how did you guys end up connecting with bill chavis and the highball music
7: Man, that that is a, a real long story, but you know, to make story short, uh, I was 19 years old. Uh, I was playing with a guy named Rich Green. Uh, he played with for the Bullet Boys, and he was like, you know, I got this label or putting together this other band, and so I've worked with Bill Chavis a few times on Saints Rebellion and Modern Superstar and, and different bands, as you know, just as a hired gun, I guess, uh, kind of situation. But you know, they. They, uh, you know, I ended up entering a band with Rich Green again. Uh, he's he plays on the album, uh, but you know he couldn't he couldn't do it, and other members couldn't do it. So they gave me their blessing to go on and, and with the tracks. We all thought the music was you know was worth putting time and effort into. So this is kind of you know that that's how we that's how I met Bill Chavis. Is you know from a young age I was working my way up in the music industry.
2: So I, I got to ask, Will. I mean, you're you're a manager of bands, and uh, you're you're a little bit more in depth with that than I am. Any uh any thoughts, any suggestions, any uh, ideas for the guys?
6: Um, I'm not going to give them too many ideas. They've obviously got the you know they're <laughs> in their lane. They know what they're doing. Um, the fact that you know they're under high ball with Bill, I got nothing to say there. Bill's a great guy. I mean, he's he's gonna. <laughs> He's going to keep them, you know, where they need to be, and he's going to do good things for them. I mean, the only thing that I would say is, you know, don't stop, guys. Don't – I mean, that – you know, hearing the story of, of everything building up to this Native Son CD, and then, you know, you coming down to Maryland and then hitting – you know, having this accident with the deer, and I'm thinking to myself, there's a lot of bands, honestly, that would look at that and go, we're just not meant to do this, guys. This is it. This no. is enough, you know, and, and like, flip out. And you guys didn't do that. You persevered. You made a phone call. You did whatever it took because you needed to get to that show. You needed to get it out there. You needed to get in front of people. And, uh, you know, that says a lot about your character because I can tell you, going through everything you've gone through, like I said, that accident might have been the tip of the iceberg for some other band. You know what I mean? So I got nothing for them, man. I think they're doing great the way they are. Um, I can't wait to have them on on the radio show in a couple weeks and – talk to them a little bit more about stuff. Uh, I can't wait to see if the build the bus has worked out to where you guys actually build the bus. I'm hoping it does. Um, And, I mean, the only other thing I would say, man, if you guys need anything, you've now been introduced to the regional family out here. You can reach out to any one of a lot of people if you guys need something, man, and I'm sure. I mean, myself, CT, there's plenty of people that will jump right on board with you. And we really appreciate that man. That that means a lot to us as well. You know,
7: it, it's about the show and it's about the fans. It's about putting on a great rock and roll show and that's what we're about. You know, the music is is what we love to do. We love to travel. We we want to do this. You know, and and anyone who who donates to us, you know, we're going to we're going to give back to them. You know, we're going to I haven't, you know, kind of give away a little bit of the idea. Um, but you know, some people have already you know given substantial amounts to the build the bus. You know, we're gonna we're gonna do a top fan section of the bus, and I'm gonna paint their name on the side of the bus underneath nice. the top fan. So that's That's, awesome, that's kind of one of the things I wanna wanna throw to the fans, you know, for helping us out and and getting us home, and you know, there there was yeah you know, there was so much out outreach from the community. It was it was awesome.
2: Now could you oh, remind good, us ma'am. again? I, I I don't have my information in front of me. You guys are now live at the venue. Where are you what state are you guys in? Where are you playing tonight?
7: We are playing in uh Michigan tonight, Detroit, in Allen Park. We're at Simon's After Dark right now. Uh we we're we're the headlining band tonight. We got uh Morning Glory, which is an Oasis tribute band, uh Jack Riot, he's playing a set right now. Red Brick Road, they're from the local area. So uh, it should be a rocking show, man. I'm excited
2: to see the locals here. And about how far is that from where you guys base yourselves out of? Um, we're about six
7: hours away from from where where we were. We actually we played with Ron Keel and Every Mother's Nightmare and Jasmine Kane uh, last night at the Smoking Country Concerts. Uh, the stage was almost destroyed by rain and uh, wind. So we had to move everything into a smaller tent. So it's just like for our first show, we hit a deer. For our second show, you know, everything froze (laughs) over. It was like 50 degrees outside and and raining. So but we, we ended up pushing through that. You know, Ron Keel was like, you know what, if 20 people are here, we're playing for those 20 people. If five people are here, we're playing for those five people. It's, it's about there the bands and it's about keeping the, the music going. And so we did, you know, we ended up backlining the drums. Uh, Brett here, he, he let every band use his drum set and we just, we just did the show, you know, at, at all costs. Man, you
2: guys keep hitting, <laughs> keep running into them rough spots. Where are you going from here? Like, what's the? Sky? I know you mentioned, uh, the, the festival that you have coming up, what other dates are you guys looking at?
7: Man, uh, the next date we have, uh, we're going to be, we're we're going to be all over. Uh, we're going to be in Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, for, at Shangri Law. We're going to be at Prohibition in um, Louisville, Kentucky with Every Mother's Nightmare. Um, there's a, a Summer of Madness festival. We're going to be, um, we got, we're going to be at Southgate House revival, uh, September 9th. Street um, Grubs and Hops in Louisville, Kentucky. We've got all kinds of dates, man. That's Monsters awesome. on the Mountain. Yeah, <laughs> now, the Monsters uh, on the Mountain is one of the big ones we got.
2: Yeah, you guys are playing with some heavy hitters there, am I right?
6: Yeah. Big, time. Big, big time. And that's another, okay. that's another group of people, man. When you get up there with the Monsters Rock people, and you're going to love them cuz they're going to love you and it's the same thing as as you know what we've got going on here in in this region it's just a bunch of genuine music fans that love and support and will do anything you know for live music Man. so you're going to i don't know if you've ever had a dealing with the Monsters of Rock cruise you know crowd with the more crowd but it's it's another extension of this entire family you're going to love it
7: you know my my girlfriend uh she goes on the cruise every year um you know Larry Moran uh, shared something they did the uh, like the the castaway uh party, yeah, and like the time- the time and commitment that those people you know do for the monsters of rock crews you know it was just phenomenal to watch they did a little time lapse thing where they were building the stage and they were filling this pool in with like slots of of a stage, and I was like, okay, you know they're gonna you know have the the fans stand there and do this like little stage, but now they came in with an even bigger stage and like, yeah. so it's going to be off the wall, man, like just off the chain. It's, it's one of the biggest, you know, 80s rock cruises around. So
2: it's going to be I'll,
7: just phenomenal.
2: I've so I wanted to ask you guys like one last time. question, cause we're running out of time, but I wanted to ask you guys, how do, how do people go about finding your music, uh, Websites, social media pages, those kind of things. We are
7: on Facebook. We are on highballmusic.com. You can literally ask Siri to play Native Sons, and we'll, she'll start playing our music through your radio. We're on Spotify, YouTube. You can find us uh, iTunes, You know, pretty much everywhere, Amazon Music. You can find us wherever music's sold, man.
2: And as far as contributing to the Native Sons Build the Bus, uh, do they just come on to the band's Facebook page?
7: Yeah, they would uh, message the band's Facebook page, and, and we'll let you know how you can donate. Uh, we're going to try to, you know, maybe set up a, a GoFundMe uh, eventually uh, if we don't end up getting all, you know, a big portion of the money that way. But, you know, I, I think we're almost almost there, so um you know go. we got a ways to go. We got a ways to go. That's for sure. But you know, with the with the outreach from the community it was really, really humbling. Uh so if anybody wants to donate, you can hit up the Native Suns Facebook page. We still got a ways to go to build the bus. We're gonna be doing a live stream, we're gonna sell tickets uh to the people who've already bought tickets. We're gonna try to get them even a either a promo code to be able to view it for free. because uh, those people have have definitely donated um, more than their fair share for a ticket. So we want to give back to the fans any way we can.
2: And I'm going to say right now, as far as the Rock and Roll Union is concerned, guys, uh, like Will said, anything that you need from this end, and I'm telling all the the listeners, the members that are with us, make sure you help these guys out. Will, I know you got them coming up uh, on your show pretty soon.
6: Yeah, in about uh three weeks, I think is what we. Re- it was originally yep. supposed to be the fifth. Had some rescheduling to do, so I think it's the eighteenth now or something like that. Um, yeah, I have to look at it. I don't know sure, but looking forward to it big time. And 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 then again, also, uh, you know, people that want to donate to them. If you don't have a lot of funds that y- you can donate, that's fine. Buy a CD, man. Buy buy a T-shirt. That's it. Buy anything that says Native Sons on it. You're still helping the cause.
2: Yeah. That's Absolutely. it. Well, guys, thank you so much. I know you got a show to kick ass at tonight. Will, thank you for being with us this uh, Memorial Day weekend. And, uh, guys, just hoping you guys have a great rest of your weekend.
6: Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks. It was an honor to be have on a the show, day. man. Have a great set tonight, fellas. I know you will. Appreciate Thanks.
2: it. Thanks. Have a good night, guys. All
6: right. See you. See you. Thanks for having me, CTC, brother.
2: See you, brother. So that was Will Massive Ignite the Scene and Native Sons. Guys, make sure you go out of your way. You message them on their Facebook page. You help them build that bus. I know I'm going to be helping them out a little bit financially with what I can do. But, uh, guys, make sure you help them out. Young, upstart rock and roll band that's been going through some hell lately, and uh, we're going to do our best to help them out. So. Like Will said, if you can't afford anything, if you can't, I mean, if you can't afford a lot, buy a CD, buy a t-shirt, I mean, send 10 bucks, whatever you got helps. So, uh, we'll be back next weekend. Next Saturday night, we'll be joined by, looking up the event calendar right this minute, we'll be joined by, oh man, we'll have Uncle Bard and the Dirty Bastards on with us. And we'll also be talking to promoter Christine Avila from up in New England area. And uh, guys, remember, if you're bummed out by this weather this weekend, it could always be worse, man. Remember what we're here for and we're celebrating the, the, guys, in the arm, guys and gals in the armed forces that lost our lives. And uh, much love to all you guys. Have a great weekend. Be safe. And uh, until next time as my fancy thinking box has kind of crapped out on me. But uh, until next time, guys, remember rock and roll. Have a great week. See ya.